welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Hallelujah. Well, it's always wonderful to be in Cork Church. And to those all online, it's great to be here and with you. We drove down this morning. My chauffeur drove very well as I meditated on the news. I mean the word. And um, realized what a chaotic world we're living in right now. Isn't it great to be in this other world? <laughs> We've two feet, one in this world and one in the world, the ages to come. We've tasted of something of the ages to come. And it's actually amongst us here. Hallelujah. You know, I just bear witness to you that we've heard the word of God this morning. We've heard the word of release this morning. We've heard the word about the necessity to forgive and the enabling that comes to be able to do it because sometimes it's very deep. The scars are very deep. The hurts are very deep. And on our own, we are unable to do it. And the longer you live, the more you seem to accumulate these scars. But the word of release came today. And you know, with the word of the Lord comes enabling. So stop trying to work it out. Just say, Lord, I receive it, and I am now going to do it by your help. There was a real word this morning that came. And when Stephen just kindly introduced me, and then he prayed, and he prayed about the word. And um, I'd like to share something with you about the word, because although the word has come, and I believe that's been a real word, a, a real focal point of the meeting this morning, what Pastor Patrick has shared, the, the word is like a river, it's ever flowing. And uh, um, I, I just want to say something, um, the word can have several meanings when we talk about the word of God. Primarily, the word is a person. In the beginning was the Word, capital W. And the Word was with God, and He is God. He's a person. We call Him the Lord Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, Jehovah, He becomes our friend, but He is the Word. But that person is also witnessed by the Word on paper, which is also the Word. But follow the paper trail, and He'll bring you to the living Word. You read the testimonies of some of the great men and women in history who have pioneered things, and that's usually been their route. This book, this written word is the device that God has given us through which we may see the word in person, we may sense the word in person, we may hear the word in person, we may experience in him. If it's God's will that I never hear his audible voice, but he has supplied 66 books and endless wonderful secrets and truths in this word to speak to me, then I am content. How dare I insist, oh, I have to hear this word. And then there's a third. It's the word we heard this morning framed, and we've got to be careful here, but it's framed within the sentences that a man brought this morning to us. Pastor Patrick brought that word. Peter says, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. 
And sometimes we may hear someone speak and it doesn't register with us or resonate with us, but it's resonating with someone else. You can never tell. So you and I can hear that spoken word. So there you have it, the, the person of the word. And then the two ways that we are brought into understanding and experiencing more, it's the written word and that word that comes, be it on a Sunday morning up here, be it on a Monday evening when you're down and you hear a line of a hymn, of a song, of a poem, of a word that comes to you. The Holy Spirit is incredible the way he can minister his word. And just this morning I have felt in view of what's happened just to encourage you in the word today, the written word that brings us to the living word. It's not an end in itself, but it's a platform, a stage, uh, 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 it's, it's, it's that channel through which we come to know him. That's why, frankly, now in my later years, I, I, I endeavor to read this book every day. And I am glad I'm time rich from, from things I had to work at, and et cetera, et cetera, in terms of business and raising family and everything else, although life is still pretty busy, but we can find time for this word. And I just want to look at a few metaphors that scripture itself uses to describe. And I'm going to say the wildness and the sweetness of his word. It's wild in the sense, I don't mean wild in the, in the rebellious sense that we think, oh, he's a wild person. No, in the sense it cannot be confined. It cannot be caged. It's a breakout. It goes, it finds its way when, when nothing else can find its way. And yet there's a sweetness to it as well. I just have a verse here in, in Jeremiah. He said, is not my word like a fire? <laughs> is not my word like a fire? And, and the irony is that this book is the most burnt book of all time. <laughs> Hallelujah. But it's also the most translated book of all time. It's also the most read book. It's the most purchased book, and I heard recently, it's apparently it's the most shoplifted book of all time. And I laughed at that because I said, oh, do they rob it, and then they read it, and then they have to go back and pay for it. I don't know. <laughs> and yet you can't put the far out, the far of his word, by burning this book. There is something about the word of God, can I put it this way, that's untamable. That just when you think you have it covered, boom, it, it takes off again. Hallelujah. The wildfire that spreads no matter what people try to do to stop it. There was a famous atheist philosopher, Voltaire, who said back in the 18th century, and this is what he says, I quote, in a hundred years' time, the Bible will be out of print and out of existence. And yet, a hundred years to the year, a Bible society in France purchased Voltaire's former home and they set up a printing press to print more copies of the Bible to meet the demands in France. It is like a fire. Mao Zedong in 1949 or 50, as that revolution came to China and, and overtook the country, he predicted this. He said, I'm going to eradicate every vestige of Christianity, including its book. And for a short time he succeeded. I remember in the early, well, it was the late 80s, early 90s, when we were beginning to go out in China and we were encouraged to bring out, smuggle in books, the, the Bible in Mandarin. And we would. I, I always got, got a bit of a kick about it. I'd have 30 Mandarin Bibles and you would go through and you'd put it in and you'd wonder would you be hauled up and you wouldn't and you'd get through and you would, would, 
would give them out. And then a couple of years later, we were involved in a work, and actually the Communist Party officials were being nice to us. God gave us favor, and they were supplying us buildings. And one of our directors said to the rest of us, he said, I don't think we should be breaking their law. And we said, of course we should. No, no. And we prayed about it, and we felt, no, we shouldn't. So we no longer began to smuggle in Bibles. And the next year we heard that there was a printing press allowed in the middle of China, allowed to print Bibles under the officials, uh, like it was official, that they weren't doing it under. And so we said, well, we got that one right. It's already, the Bibles are being printed in China. What did you say, Mao? Hallelujah. I want to tell you something about this. Um, it's in Nanjing City. I just don't want to name the name of the company for whatever because things are changing in China. But today, that, that very printing press, it's, it has 87,000 square meter of factory. And it's now the world's largest Bible printing press. In the year 2020, they printed their 200 millionth Bible. And they were printed for the ethnic languages, minority language in China, even, even in Braille, as well as in Mandarin and Cantonese. 200 million, 85 million went for home consumption, and 115 million were sent abroad into 140 different countries. This factory can print 70 Bibles in one minute, 4,200 Bibles in an hour. So they can easily fulfill their annual output of 15 Bibles, 15 million copies of the Bible in a young. Is not my word like fire? Hallelujah. And whatever people have said about this book, whatever much has been attacked, mocked, dismissed, written off, or even questioned if it's relevant for the culture today that we live in, well, it has defied up to now all predictions in its, of its demise. Is not my word like fire? It only takes a spark, folks. It'll only take, oh, I've never found the Bible interesting. Open it up, read one verse, one word. It's like a spark. It's like a spark, and that's all we need. Whenever we light a fire, if you still light fires, we're still able to where we live, but it has to be a wood fire, and all you need is a spark. You know, in, 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 um, I heard recently about a story about New Zealand. Um, in the 19th century, Luke's gospel was translated into Maori. That's, those are the New Zealand, uh, the indigenous people that were there. And a daughter of one of the chiefs who had learned to read through the missionaries, she was given one of these, and she began to read and read and read it. And on her own, she came to faith in Christ. A spark came into her life, and then the fire came. And she began to tell her father about this. And this little book she had was so precious to her that she put it on a necklace, that hung around her neck. Unfortunately, very shortly after that, there was a, a conflict between her father's tribe and another tribe. And, and, and her and some of her friends were ambushed and she was pushed over a waterfall and she died. And as she fell over, the man who pushed her, he grabbed her necklace, thinking it was something valuable. And he went home, he could read, and he began to read. The father of this, of his beautiful daughter who had died, he was so sorrowful, he began to read more of the Bible. He turned, he read words, the spark came to him. He, read, he became a Christian, 
The man who murdered became a Christian. Eventually, this man, he, he was so convicted, he went and he, he asked to be reconciled. And he asked, for forgive, sorry, he asked for forgiveness. And this man already knew he had to forgive. They became reconciled. Together, they took that one copy, or two copies that they had, of Luke's gospel. And they went to the North Island and the South Island. And many married tribes turned to Christ. It only takes a spark. The word of God is like fire. Have you noticed that um, even today, there are many of the Mary and Pacific Island rugby players, they're followers of Jesus, and they have those little crosses on their wristbands that they wear at rugby matches. Um, a lot of that heritage can be traced back to just that one copy of Luke's uh, gospel. You just can't put this far out. Imagine if it takes hold of your life. <laughs> Imagine if you fall freshly in love with this word, those sparks will fly. Yes. I'm not putting it, I preempt this with all that this is the avenue, this is the channel to experience the living word. Yes. Amen. Yes. Have you ever noticed that for, uh, at home, I'm sure it is, that, that you light a fire in the house, oh, it's, uh, the winter's coming in and we're always expensive, we light a fire. It, it has a magnetic effect. People congregate around a fire. It's a source of light and warmth. And it's just like his word. There's something about the centrality and the magnetic power of his word that changes the atmosphere, just like your fire at home changes the atmosphere in the front room. You know, my dad, he used to take us out for days, like a day, a Saturday, we would go out hiking. And we couldn't wait, my brother and I, until the dust came and he would light a fire. And we put on sausages and all this. The fire, it, it drew things. And then later when Ruth and I were running youth camps years ago, and we'd have a bonfire night. And there'd be always a few at those youth camps. I'm sure it's the same. They'd have their hoodies. They would keep away. And you wouldn't know what they're doing. And you'd keep your eye on them. And, and, uh, but when the bonfire was lit, they would, they would emerge from the high, And they would enjoy the bonfire. There is something about the fire. There's something about the fire of his word that brings people in. And as we gather around this far, you see, there's so much coldness in the world. Uh, 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 there's so much coldness, but there's, uh, there's, there's light in this far of his word as we open scripture with a view, Jesus, reveal yourself more to me through your word. I mean, we had revelation this morning through his spoken word. And as I said, it brought release. There's a part in that, and if, if uh, I... I just repeat that. If, you, if that word was for a number of people, you, oh, I've tried, I've prayed. It, it come to you today. You can be released from that. The bond of unforgiveness, the root of bitterness that comes. Hallelujah. You gather around this far and you will find that your heart gets strangely warmed. <laughs> can I also say in all realism, uh, when my brother and my sister would read the Bible at home, my heart got strangely cold. You know, <laughs> that was my fault. But God was persistent. God was persistent, and then the time came. I think they'd given up on the kid. Me, I was the youngest. And then the time at 22, the time was ripe, and the Lord graciously came, and I heard his word. And my heart was strangely warm. Think of those two disciples in Luke 24, I think it is. They'd lost hope. Uh, uh, they, they, they had lost vision. They'd lost heart. They were walking away. They were disciples of Jesus. 
They didn't know he'd risen. They said, ah, some heart he'd risen, but we thought, no, they went away, and Jesus appears to them. And they have this tremendous, this, this, this ultimate overview of the scripture he gives to them. Oh, if only they had a cassette recorder and recorded it, it would have been wonderful, the best Bible study of all time. But anyway, they go back. He, he leaves them. He disappears. As he did quite often after his resurrection, he, he disappeared from sight. But later on, they reflect, and this is what they said, did not our hearts burn within us on the road when, as he opened the scriptures to them, and they only had the Old Testament. You see, when we come close to this, it sets our hearts on fire. John Wesley once famously said in 1738, he said, I felt my heart strangely warmed. Why did he say that? He'd been a year or so, um, he had trusted Christ, but his intellectual conviction was all he was living on. The law of the Lord had converted his heart, but he didn't have any personal encounter with Jesus. And at that place, it was in Aldersgate in London. I think there's a plaque there even today. John Wesley, the, the fire, the spark of the word of God. They were actually having the, the beginning of a Bible study on the book of Romans. And they were only reading the commentary, Luther Martha's, Martin Luther's commentary on the book of Romans. And something happened to John Wesley. The Holy Spirit came to him. And sparked him. And he said, I was ever the same since he experienced something. And the rest is history. You see, the person on paper became the person within him. And tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people came to faith in Christ through him. In Britain, in Ireland, in North America, and many other countries. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So there's a wild element to this word. It's fire. There's also a wild animal described as a metaphor of this world, and it's Amos. He says, the lion has roared. Who will not fear? Hallelujah. The sovereign Lord God has spoken. Who can but prophesy? And if you ever heard a lion roar, even in the zoo, it's quite terrifying. We've been to Africa a few times. I heard it roar once, and I went back into my house, and I closed all the doors and closed all the doors. It's, 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 it's a frightening roar. It's a terrifying roar. But he's comparing this to the sound of the power of his word. Now, Amos was speaking to the roar of God's truth over a people who had become corrupt, and there was so much injustice in the land, and there's the, war of, the, the roar of truth that roars over injustice, falsehood, and oppression. When William Wilberforce decided to, and it took him 30 years to, to instigate the banning of slavery in the British Empire, it took a long time, but he initially heard, uh, he, he, he didn't describe it as a roar, but when you read it, it says it's, it was a roar to his soul. And it set him on that way to, to, to rid the British Empire of that injustice. And the line is still roaring. God is still speaking. There's a wildness in people. There's a wildness in sin. There's a wildness in addiction. There's a wildness in dysfunctional moods. There's wildness all about us. We're all unmanageable to, to a degree, a lesser or greater, apart from the grace of God. And what we mean by the line roars, it means he has the ability to speak into your heart so that you hear you know, just months, a few months ago, 
I was amazed. I heard it on the BBC News, but then I heard something else about it when, when we were, were in England. The UK Parliament at Westminster, they were having a prayer breakfast and lots of MPs gathered and a word was preached there on integrity. And in the audience was the Chancellor of the Exchequer, the second most powerful man in the British government. And he heard a message that morning that confirmed what he was already thinking. And it triggered something that he announced on the BBC News that night. And he resigned his post. He said, I can't. And he didn't refer directly to people, but he said, it's a matter of integrity. And he said, I heard a word preached at a prayer breakfast this morning. And I said, wow, the line has roared. And that precipitated so much since. God still speaks. And it's not just within the four walls of the church. You know, sometimes you think, oh, well, God's confined to the four. God speaks and roars wherever he wants. And there are some voices that are outside the church which are picking up biblical truths. And some of these are important influences. I mean, they have millions of followers on Instagram and podcasts. And some of you will have heard of the likes of Jordan Peterson. Now, I'm not endorsing all what these voices are saying, but these are very influential prophets with a small p. And he is just given a series of lectures on Genesis, which millions of people are viewing on YouTube, particularly young men who are in the midst of this chaotic world that they're trying to find meaning in. And they are being watched. These lectures are being watched by listening to God's word. Now, I don't think he's a self-professing Christian yet. But interestingly, Jordan Peter's daughter has become a Christian. And she speaks about the impact that the Bible is having on her life. And the extraordinary difference that it's having in all her younger generation peers that are beginning to have an interest in what is real truth and what meaning can be found in the scriptures. The line is still roaring, even in the world out there around us. So folks, we can be confident to share biblical truth with expectancy. What a powerful weapon we hold with confidence. Spurgeon, the 19th century London preacher, he said this, This is fantastic. The word of God is like a line, he said. Whoever heard of defending a line? Just let it loose and it will defend itself. Now, obviously, it's not that we shouldn't make defense of the truth of Scripture. We're told to do that. But he's referring to not being defensive in our manner or in our attitude or in our disposition. That We we don't have anything to be defensive about. This is the eternal written word. Of God. I was speaking to a friend recently, and he said he was speaking at a wedding where the vast majority were non Christians, and it was in a church. And he quoted, he read all of 1 Corinthians 13. And a guy who wasn't a Christian came up to him after, and he said, Hey man, where did you get that poem about love? It's expletive, beautiful. <laughs> He's, and, and, and it's just the best. He said, That must be the best definition of love. And he said, It is. And it's 200 years old. He said, huh? And anyway, it led to a conversation. You can let the line loose in the big wide world out there. His word is like fire. His word is like the line. 
Well, we've done the wildness. How about a bit of the sweetness? The Word of God is like a sweet food. You know, some of oh, I found that a very heavy. I found certain chapters there. No, it's sweet. It says in Psalm 119103, how sweet, how pleasant, how even smooth are your words to my taste. Sweeter than, and he's thinking around, and he's thinking around, honey. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. You know, ultimately, honey is a wild food. It originated with wild bees. I like the story when Samson, he, he's walking from one town to another, and a lion dares to attack him, and he kills the lion. The body's left on the road, and he goes into the, to, to the town, and on his way back, he sees the carcass. And within the carcass, bees have made honey. And he makes up a riddle. And here's the riddle. Out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. What a prophetic picture of our line of the tribe of Judah. And through, as we've heard earlier this morning, through the efficacy of his death, caused God's word not to be something that destroys and condemns, which otherwise it would do, but to be something that feeds and nourishes us. Out of the strong has come something sweet. Some of you today have only ever had harsh words spoken to you particularly by people who should have known better. But I tell you, the sweet word of Jesus, he wants to bring that honey into your heart, into your mind, the sweetness of his word. You know, bees are extraordinary insects. Honey is an extraordinary food. I don't know if there's any beekeepers here. If there are, I better stop. But I just know a little bit about honey. We knew, we knew someone who was a beekeeper. In fact, my brother used to keep bees as well. And he used to rave on about bees and honey. And I said, I hate us a bit. Oh, yeah, that's nice. But actually, it's incredible. Worker bees, they head off to find the pollen. They find the pollen. They come back. And they communicate to the rest of the hive where the pollen is. And they communicate by, it, it, it appears by kind of performing a sort of a dance. A bit of a jive in the hive, right? And that communication, it gives them direction. It gives them the distance. And scientists say it even tells them about the wind speed. So they don't get blown off course. So they all... They head out and they find the pollen, and then they bring it back, and it begins to be processed. And the drone bees create a sort of a fanning movement. If you've ever been near a beehive, you suddenly hear, hum. They're fanning to raise the temperature, which will, exa- uh, will extract the moisture and enable the honey to be formed. Why am I telling you this? A lot of work has gone into this. And we're so casual with it. Oh, I'll have a bit of honey. Oh, well, maybe I'll read the word. No, no, it's been... I tell you. 
What's the work? Obviously, the inspiration of God, the heart of God. But think of the human agency. Over thousands of years have been involved. Men have gone blind trying to translate and write it out with just a candle. Men like William Tyndale. Read about William Tyndale. Google him. I'm sure that what a man. Gave his life for this. Went through all manner of opposition. A lot of work has gone into it. And one of the things I, I remember, the Holy Spirit kind of, he did to my stubborn heart was he began to make me appreciate this word in the right sort of way. Again, we don't worship the written word. We worship the person to whom the written word brings us to. Hallelujah. John Wycliffe, some of these men. And, and, and Lord, I don't want to be casual. I just don't want to, even with the sunrise when we, when we have a bit of honey now, I'm thinking about it sort of differently. Uh, uh, honey is practically, the actual honey is practically incorruptible. Pure nectar. I, I only heard recently that in Cairo there's a museum and there is an exhibit of things that were found in the tombs of the pharaohs. All these artifacts, 3,000 years old. And they found a sealed jar and they opened it up and there was honey in it. 3,000 years old. And they could still eat it. It's there in Cairo. Even if there was any bacteria, it's engulfed by the honey. Rendering the, the, it, it incorruptible. It's like the word of God. Pieces of truth written thousands of years ago and it's still good to taste today. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. It's incorruptible. What we heard this morning in the voice and frame within, if you like, a man, but we heard the word from heaven about the efficacy of the forgiveness of the cross and how that enables us to forgive even the deepest hurts. Hallelujah. Honey has so many benefits. And when you understand what honey does, if you're into health food, you probably eat more of it. But even if you're ignorant of the benefits, as you eat it, if we'll do it anyway. And so often we're ignorant of what we're reading, but it's still doing us good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And you go on and you say, oh, today went quite well. And you forget something maybe that was imparted to you. You've little idea how much good it does you. <laughs> you know, don't come to church. Oh, it's Sunday, I better go to church. No, this is my, this is my gymnasium. This is my health food shop. This is where there's free food from heaven, manna. But the thing about manna, they had to go out and pick it up themselves. We're not robots. And just because we don't remember what we read all the time, or, or, or the last time I read the word, or, 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 or what, 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 it doesn't matter. You know, they say honey helps heal burns. It improves memory loss. I mustn't forget that. It guards against diabetes. It has antioxidant properties, antibacterial properties, and aids digestion, sore throats. I remember one year in Africa, and it happens most times you go out to West Africa, you get the runs, and one time the 
the, the, the wife of the pastor, and now she, she brought me honey, and I said, I don't feel, oh, she said, take it. She said, it will heal your diarrhea. I took it. And that evening, it was fine. <laughs> you know, when you understand what God's word does for us, what it opens up for us, we want to eat more. Don't neglect it. Don't be distracted from it. This is a simple word of encouragement to you this morning. Don't allow other lesser things to prevent us from tasting and seeing. Oswald Chambers talks about, he says, it isn't always the quantity, it's the quality. So find time. Find that time. Carve it out. Just this half hour or whatever you can for. This is quality. Put it aside. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And, you know, sometimes just read, not just a verse, how about an epistle? How about a gospel in one evening? If you think we watch a movie maybe, maybe two hours on Netflix, in two hours you'd have easily read most of the epistles. <laughs> um, you see, when we bring the fire into our lives, it sets us on fire. And really, this is, uh, w- what the world needs is not Bible thumpers. <laughs> What the world needs is people who are filled and on far with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Allow the line to roar and the fire to run over our lives. Let the Word on paper lead us and direct us to the Word in person. Let the line loose. He was loosed this morning. He was loose. He set some captive free by that word that came. I sensed it. I knew. I witnessed to it. It sparked me off. And I dare say that the vessel that it came through is not one who lightly reads this word. You can sometimes tell. And yet sometimes the word can come through a babe. It's wonderful. Are you hungry for the word of God? Let it be a fire, let it be line, and let it be a, a sweet taste of honey in your mouth. Father, we need you to come. We need you fresh every day to remind us. Sometimes some of us, Lord, are so stuck in our ways, Lord, and we call out to you, Lord, freshen us that what we read and absorb and meditate on and abide in that quiet place, that hidden place, shall only lead us to the great, eternal Son of God into an experience of Him that is truly magnificent and tremendous and vast and all-consuming. That's when we come out of that place where we've been with you. There's sparks flying, Lord, whether we're conscious of it or not. We thank you. We pray for everyone here, Lord, who is engaged and knows you and is engaged in reading your word, has a desire to proclaim it one-on-one. We thank you for the evangelists, those who have an ability from you to somehow interpret your word to a lost and hungry word. Oh, we pray for that gift, Lord. And we'd be willing to send them out even at our loss, so that others may know you. Lord, even today, I just pray that there are some here that you're going to 
strangely warm their hearts. Will you strangely warm all our hearts this afternoon and this evening? And before we lay our head on the pillow, we'll have a smile because we've sensed the comfort, the warmth, the atmosphere, the magnetic pull of your word bringing us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website, www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.